Do you really know what you need from God? Do you know how to ask for it? This is Benjamin Sapir, Peabody-nominated radio host and spiritual scholar, giving you the knowledge you need to empower your relationship with your Creator. You're listening to Prescription Talk Radio Live on 1160 AM WVNJ The Voice and streaming live on the internet at www.wvnj.com. Give us a call, 1-800-962-1160. We're here to connect you to God. Good afternoon, listeners. This is Benjamin Sapir, live at WVNJ in beautiful Teaneck, New Jersey. And we have some exciting news. The book is out and available for purchase, I believe, or pre-order on Amazon and other book distributors. The book title is Prayer Scriptions for Abundant Wealth and Success. Finally, the publisher has it out. I do believe, I do believe there is a free giveaway on Kindle uh, running today or at some point today. Uh, so if you would like to see a copy to see exactly what the prayer scription ministry is about, what type of prayers we advocate, and how we're helping people reach and understand abundance in their life, I would suggest you go to Amazon.com and download a free Kindle, if it's still available, version of the book, Prayer Scriptions for Abundant Wealth and Success. Uh, the book is a fast read, contains many, many uh, enlightening prayers to help you understand your relationship with money and success, what things may be driving your personal and professional ambitions, and how you could refine those ambitions and those goals to see a bigger picture, not only your own desires and objectives, but how they affect others in the entirety of God's creation. The power of the book, unlike other writings on this topic, discuss the differences in God's name as revealed in Genesis. A couple of things we talked about on the show before, the two names, one in which God created the world in his plural name, and his singular name, the one in which he reveals the finite potential of his power. Prayers are very powerful. And I'd like to just maybe go over one chapter of the book to acquaint our listeners with what we're trying to do at Prescription Ministries. Uh, the first chapter of the book is entitled Time and Beginnings. And it's very important to understand that if you are chasing success or wealth, you know, it's one of those things they say that wealth or success should chase you. But sometimes we have to take a proactive role in generating our successes and to do that successfully, we need to pray. We need to change the will of God. We need to change our, our mazel. To change mazel means to change luck or opportunities that may or not be in front of us. And we know from the Genesis narrative, the first couple of words, it's traditionally translated as in the beginning. But in the original Lashon Kodesh, the Hebrew language, we know that it means with the beginning. The more correct or precise translation is with the beginning. That's a profound shift in narrative interpretation in what the original language contains has a living document and testament to the power of God working through creation. 
So the question that I pose to listeners, that if you do have questions, you are welcome to call the show today or send an email, since most of you do prefer sending emails to info at prayerscription.com, but you can also call in at 1-800-962-1160. Getting back to this notion of time and beginnings, it's very important that one of the things I have seen in counseling people through my prayer ministry is their anxiety about their perceived failures or their perceived missed opportunities. There's such regret and anxiety loaded with this notion of, I had an opportunity and I let it go and I will never get it again. Very, very wrong way of thinking. In the words of Donald Trump, a bigly mistake. A bigly mistake to think that once you have an opportunity, it will be the infinite opportunity. There are many, many opportunities, and something you have to realize is that time could be your friend or it can be your enemy. And it's important to make an ally of time so that you do not feel rushed, anxious, and anxiety-ridden. Because if you do feel those emotions, you are going to miss out on the opportunities and the talents that God has blessed you with already and may be sending you new opportunities, new doorways, new windows, whatever you like to call has your favorite allegory, whatever you subscribe to has that allegory of opening, to bless your life with abundance and opportunity. So I'm going to read you one of the prayers from the chapter one of the book about beginnings. And the way we are structuring prescriptions in uh, the publications, there's going to be a whole series of prescriptions coming out, uh, hopefully within the next two to three months. From Abundance to Success is the first volume in, the, in that title, but there'll be other prescriptions for healing from addiction to building self-confidence to reclaiming a relationship with God. And there'll be a very powerful prescription in, in dealing with ascending to heaven, a powerful form of meditation to reconnect with God. But right now, we're talking about the book that was just released this week, Prescriptions for Abundant Wealth and Success. So how the prayers are structured generally, it's a three-part seri- three-part structure. There are three parts to the prescription. The first part is sort of a blessing, a blessing upon the person who is about to recite it. In a Jewish tradition, it's very important that two people pray for each other so that the person who's praying for you will help you get what you want and the person that's praying for um, you're praying for will also get what they want. It's a two-part process. And what we try to do in a prescription is that uh, myself as the author is giving a blessing to the reader that they will be able to achieve their wealth and abundance or whatever motivated them to pursue and discern the knowledge from the book. Then we go into the prayer itself. And then at the end of the prayer, the final part of the prayer is the repetitions of the names of God, the plural names or the singular names or some combination of them that will help the reader focus their divine connection to pour forth holiness and divinity and understand the nature of their prayer. So let us begin with this prayer about new beginnings and the importance of 
how God allows us the opportunity to transcend the limitations of time and hopefully avoid the anxieties and despair we associate with the boundaries we put on ourselves, how we spend our lives in a hurried fashion, going from point A to point B, worrying about everything in between without really appreciating the power that God has given us in this journey from those two points and how we could change the journey and make it start over. So this is the first prayer, and we will use the pronunciations of God's holy name that will be acceptable for this format, so they will be modified. Different names that are pronounced or how they should be pronounced as enumerated in the book. Here we go. Part one of the prayer. May God and God's justice and mercy permit us to step behind the boundaries of divine time and help us to generate a new beginning for our lives that will allow all readers to reboot God's divine presence in their personal and professional lives and permit us to perceive beyond the boundaries of our creative limitations through reconnecting to our divine creator, God. Amen. For where does the beginning begin in Elohim, around Elohim, and with Elohim? I cry out from the depths of my despair and loneliness, as I have become estranged from any thought, speech, or action that allows me to see new hope and possibilities, as I have fallen far away from my Creator and Elohim's infinite divine presence within me to create with a new beginning, whenever Elohim so desires and so wants. Amen. My secular life and its worldly de desires have become my masters, as Hashem has been displaced by the pleasures that bring me immediate gratification without delay. My fears and anxieties about losing my comforts, expanding my financial savings, and ascending from want as measured by the world below rather than the world above, have enslaved me as I cannot imagine starting over and losing what I have already worked for and earned through my own industry and sacrifices. Yet all through my this blindness around me and that has sent me into exile from any aspect of the power of Hashem's divine presence, not Elohim's infinite divine presence, presence itself, to start anew and to refresh my soul, my mind, my heart, and my body, to reclaim Elohim's infinite imagination and its untapped potential for numerous new beginnings that can change my earthly and heavenly fortunes in less than a breath. Amen. My heart beats with death, not life, as I cannot perceive Elohim's blessings in my current predicaments. I feel utterly doomed and ravaged with despair. My entire being weeps silently for the reality in which I have imprisoned myself. My hopes my dreams, my fears, my anxieties, my pleasures, and my displeasures. Time passes, nothing changes or alleviates my disappointments, 
as their weight grows and greater distance from you, Hashem Elohim prevents me from experiencing your divine, infinite, creative powers to improve my life. Please, Hashem, I implore and beseech the infinite power of your creative animus to create for me a new beginning at this time, right now, without delay, that will allow me to escape from my self-imposed exile from the greatness of your divine presence, whether my own folly, ignorance, or other negative impediment. Safeguard me, preserve me, rescue me from time's victimization upon my hopes and dreams for a new and better life, without want or concern, before I return to dust and my soul reunites with its divine creator, Hashem Elohim. All humanity has wished to travel through time to experience the past and to know the future. Lord Hashem, Hashem my God, my request, may my request to reset time originate from my faith in you and your creative abilities alone. For I do not wish to profit without cause, but simply to live in abundance, as you, Elohim, Hashem, Elohim, have promised all your creation at the original moment of humanity's creation in its perfect abundance. Amen. Salah. Lord Hashem, Hashem my God, I know that I am not worthy through the defilement and debasement of my earthly lusts and impure desires to approach your divine presence and make this request to reset time and to grant unto me a new beginning with which I can restart my personal, professional, and spiritual lives. I humbly approach you, Hashem, as your entire creation resonates in the infinite image of Elohim, that no matter how opaque my physical senses become, my spiritual senses are always aware of the vibrance of your divine presence in and around my life. I do not wish to understand or dare to even comprehend the mystery of your ways as you create with beginnings that are beyond my understanding and the purpose of this prescription. Only you, Hashem Elohim, can heal my relationship with time that amplifies my fears and regrets and make me understand Zalam Elohim, helps me to create in the plurality of your divine name and to begin anew from this moment at this time as time and beginning are understood below and how time and beginning are formed above, outside the purview of human reason. Amen. Lord Hashem, Hashem my God, I demand, implore, beseech, and beg with arms outstretched and heart trembling to send me your power, wisdom, understanding, and glory to transform this hour, this minute, this second, and this moment into a new beginning with which I can create through thought, word, and action a life filled with your abundance and greatness from the lessons of my past eras the promises of the new moment and the infinite possibilities hidden in the future ahead. In the power of your great, holy, and ineffable, singular and plural names, Elohim and Hashem, Lord Hashem, Hashem my God, I know before the last utterance of this prayer leaves my lips and forever lives in your creation that you, Hashem Elohim, 
have already granted me an opportunity to begin with a beginning that was, is, and will forever be allowing me to manifest your divine presence in all my creative endeavors. Please, Hashem Elohim, I beg, beseech, and implore you to bless my request to create a new relationship with your hidden divine time that operates as a critical catalyst to transform Elohim's infinite imagination into Hashem's finite realities in the worlds seen and unseen. May only good and only the best of goodness pulsate through my plea and may you, Lord Hashem, Hashem my God, find favor in this prescription for my personal good and the good of all your creation. Blessed be Elohim, bless your holy name. Master of the infinite potentials within all time, blessed be Hashem, bless your holy name. Supreme ruler of time and its consequences. Amen va amen. So, with that prayer, we start our show with a new beginning. A new beginning that the book is out, and may it bring good into the world, and may it hope, help the world understand a new beginning with their relationship for wealth and success, and what they are really chasing when they place such extreme value on those two objects. We are living in a time when wealth and success sort of liberate us from many things, and in order to empower voice and to empower presence, people are chasing wealth and success at a velocity that we have not seen in a very long time. Most people out there w would do anything to have vast resources and to have great success that is celebrated. Our entire culture is based on that. Even our political system now elevates those people who appear to have extremes amount of wealth and vast resources. And there is nothing wa wrong with wanting wealth and resources. It is part of our nature to want such things. But it's important to understand their relationship with God and how they can and should be used to help elevate not only the individual, but God's entire creation. And there are many things that we can talk about as you listeners out there are hearing these words, how they resonate with you, how they make you think about what you are going to do next. If you are having problems with credit card debts, you're having problems with student loans, you're having problems with family loans, you're having problems with your mortgage payments, your job opportunities, what are you doing to begin again? Where are you going to derive the strength to get yourself up, to pick yourself up, and start new because what you were doing in the past was not an optimal route. You learned from it. You were meant to do it. It was deigned for you to undertake those steps. But how do you start a new, a new beginning with God in a more active, co-creative relationship to start generating wealth and abundance that has been promised has been promised at the moment of all humanity's creation and what it means to reconnect with that original divine promise has revealed in the book of Genesis. So no matter what your relationship is with the Bible, no matter what you're searching for out there, prescriptions is a, a new voice, a new approach, and hopefully it will inspire some of you to go out, not only to purchase my book, which I hope you all do, 
purchase my book or support the ministry of prescriptions and I'll tell you what we were doing this weekend with the ministry and what we've learned. I'll share with some listeners um, how I was out there helping people, coping with some of their losses this weekend and what I learned about the state of religion, especially organized religion, and how organized religion is not really serving the needs of some people or it's over-serving the needs of other people. Uh, It doesn't seem to be reaching out beyond or making bridges between different groups, different emotions within people. And how do you care for that? How do you reveal the divine essence of pastoral care to help people um, really overcome something that is causing them great distress or despair in their lives? But right now at this moment, uh, this first book edition, Prescriptions for Abundant Wealth and Success, does seem to be a universal theme out there as you look around, especially the northeast area from whence we are broadcasting, that the concept and the need for wealth is extraordinary, especially in New York City. I remember starting out my career there, and there was always a freneticism, and there is still a freneticism about New York City. But if you look at the workers today at lunch compared to five or even seven years ago, there is a, such a intensity and focus and disconnect from anything that is bringing them offline in terms of taking them out of their jobs, taking them out of their drivenness. They are just basically enslaved to their notion of work, to their own labor, to their own industry, has a way to perpetuate or generate wealth and success. Yet if they took a breath or a step back and they looked at the overall quality of their life, would they really consider themselves wealthy? Are they really, truly wealthy? And are they using the gifts and the resources that God has given them to tap into the most abundant life they can possibly live? After all, the standard has been set very, very high in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve had everything they needed. There was no death. They didn't have to work. They didn't have to do anything until they wanted to gain knowledge. And then we know where the story goes from there. But the point is, God has made that promise that we will be provided for abundantly. And we see this over and over again in the Bible, whether you're whatever faith tradition you are coming from, if you read the Bible, You will see it, but specifically with Exodus and uh, Moses, Moshe Avino, in Moses, how he was able to provide for his family and and the Israelites through the tablets of the Ten Commandments. If you read the Mishnah Vot or the the Babylonian Talmud, uh, which is cited in the book, Prescriptions for Abundant Wealth and Success, you know that those tablets themselves provide the means by which Moses took care of his family and took care of the Israelites because those tablets were not just stones. Those tablets were made out of sapphire. And from that sapphire, the chips that were derived or broken off into um, when God's hand wrote on the tablets the Ten Commandments, those chips were gathered up, those pieces of sapphire, and those were the sustenance from whence Moshe saved, uh, was able to support his family and the Israelites to trade in the desert during their time and journey into Eretz Israel. So it's important that when you are doing what God is telling you to do, 
and he you're opening yourself up to that divine connection that divine dialogue between you and god it may be audible it may be clairvoyantly audible clairaudible it Maybe through other modes of communication that's unique to each soul, because as we know, Zalem Elohim, every soul gets what it needs, and every soul is unique, because God is infinite, and he's created us in the infinity of his image, not the singularity of his image. So however you're going to connect with God, it's important to make that connection. So like Moses, you will know how to use the talents God has given you to reach out into the world with what's around you, with what's already given to you, and allow the hand of God to bless it and make it grow more abundantly to bring you to a place of wealth that will liberate you from any concerns or negative emotions that weigh upon the importance of joy and sweetness and peace that God can bring into your life. I cannot stress that enough. If you are doing something that doesn't bring joy into your life, and especially it mutes the joy that God has allowed you to feel, reevaluate it and pray hard. Pray deep, open your soul up, and receive divine guidance to reorient your life and with that reorientation comes strength God will show you the path and give you the strength to undertake that path it is very very important to believe that and if you speak to people of faith you will know that anyone who has been on a faith journey can say that but for God's strength I would not have gotten to this point in my life and we see that over and over and over again throughout the Bible, throughout biblical characters. We see that with Abraham. We see that with Moses. We see that with Joshua. We see that with King David and Saul and Solomon and all the way up through Jesus and Paul and the disciples. Wherever you are reading in the Bible, look at what God is doing for that person how that person is growing in strength, how God is providing that person's strength to undertake something that is extraordinary. Extraordinary. Because I think most people who are chasing wealth and success, and I've had been blessed with the opportunity to counsel a lot of very, very wealthy clients in various incarnations of my career, whether startup tech millionaires or uh, theater producers, TV producers, film producers, they're chasing wealth, they're chasing success, but at the end of the day, there's something else going on. There's a bigger picture going on that's driving that chase, that hunt. And if you don't have a boundary for what's really promoting your drive, you will never be able to park that drive in its proper place. It will never be able to be satiated. Once you have a success, you'll want more success. And once you have some wealth, you want more wealth. But what are you going to really do with it? And all they want to do, basically, they want the success because they either want recognition from the community that, yes, they've been affirmed that they're special and they're extraordinary. Or they want freedom. They think that with money and success comes freedom of things like private jets and staffs and 
things that would help improve the quality of their life by being cared for at a higher level. But at the end of the day, is that what it's really all about? Or is it about the journey? Or is it about something else that drives us? And if God is not the center point of what we're trying to achieve, then what we're trying to achieve is not going to take us to the best place because it's going to be about us. It's going to be so much about us that we will not have room for God. And that, I think, is where society has taken us, my friends. We are now at a point where we will do anything to be or experience the extraordinary. We want the extraordinary, and we want to be considered extraordinary. We want fame, celebrity, wealth, and success, and that's the universal theme in all my clients. They want something that makes them extraordinary, extraordinary. They don't want to be ordinary producers. They don't want to be ordinary tech entrepreneurs. They want to be extraordinary. And what I'm telling you, and what prescriptions for abundance, wealth, and success will tell you if you read it, that to be extraordinary requires a very profound and deep relationship with God. You cannot create anything that is extraordinary that will endure beyond your lifetime if God is not a part of it. Think about that as you go about your afternoon, whether you're working, whether you're driving, whether you're going to school, how to reorient your goals and what is really inspiring you, what makes you think you can attain the extraordinary. And do you truly have an extraordinary life? Do you dream of being extraordinary? And what does that look like? And would you be happy to be considered ordinary in the eyes of God? Or you need to also be extraordinary in the eyes of God? Because you are made in God's image, so you're, you are already extraordinary. It is your voluntary blindness, or as I call in the book, spiritual amnesia, that has made you forget that fact, that you are extraordinary. Lots to think about. Lots to think about how is this ministry is unfolding and evolving. And as this first book goes out into creation, into the world, has a written piece, Prescriptions for Abundant Wealth and Success, by yours truly, Benjamin Sapir, available on Amazon and at a bookstore perhaps near you. Think about these things. And if you have questions, if something you heard this afternoon through this prayer or through this discussion has inspired you, hopefully, ask 1-800-962-1160, info at prayerscription.com, or at least open the Bible, take a moment, change your life, and refocus. Like a wheel in a wheel, never ending or beginning, on an ever-spinning wheel, like a snowball down a mountain, or a carnival balloon. Like a carousel that's burning, running rings around the 
dark whose hands are sweeping past the minutes of his face and the world is like an apple whirling silently in space like a what is your space where are you ro- where are you going to right now where are you going to in your life right now and i assure you there is only one universal answer to that that we're all going to the same place we're all evolving towards our final exit from this existence and why do i mention that because i had the great honor this weekend as part of prescription ministries to work with some individuals who were suffering through grief through the grief of loved ones passing and I've noticed some amazing things over the course of my own faith journey and evolution, but also in talking with people suffering through grief. When I started out in the earlier incarnations of this ministry, grief was more of a traditional grieving process, and people had come for sort of comfort to understand reunification with God uh, and, and the image of God, what they think their faith is and how their loved one will be reunited with that image in this heavenly notion. And also being a chaplain at Princeton and sometimes being called to help grieving families at deathbed sites was fascinating in the sense that I've never really been in a room with a person who's passed who wasn't a direct loved one. And it really helped me to understand the death experience from a different perspective when you're there to counsel or comfort people and what really a physical body is and its limitations are in terms of God's greater mission for the eternal divinity that exists before and will exist after the body expires. But this weekend was different in the sense that I had to deal with a spectra of faith practices. These people have come uh, participated in the ministry to try to have an extraordinary experience and, for lack of a better word, make contact to their loved ones on the other side. So it was not really mediumship in the traditional sense, but it was some sort of interaction or affirmation that their loved ones existed and still exist or an aspect of them exists in God's creation. And I'm amazed how much emphasis these people placed on this process before going to their traditional religious backgrounds and how resistant they were to going to (laughs) their traditional religious backgrounds, however these people were buried. They did not want to talk to traditional clergy about their grief. They didn't want to talk to traditional clergy about their loved one's passing, and they didn't want to take comfort from traditional notions about the life-death narrative we see in the Bible and traditional doctrines. So I'm amazed by that, and I'd like to share that with you uh, today, because as we talked about in the first part of the show, this need to somehow be extraordinary. They needed an extraordinary experience to have comfort. They needed to know that their loved ones can still exist in God's creation beyond the memory of that, and they wanted some sort of affirmation that their loved ones can still send them messages or communicate with them and how to interpret or go about interpreting signs that help comfort them in this process. But the lack of faith and the importance of faith is amazing to me 
and I'm not going to talk about specific religious denominations, but I think one specific religious denomination puts tremendous emphasis on the dying process and the death process, and they don't really prepare the um, the survivors for more in-depth or interactive or a more living notion of what happens at the moment of death or after death and how a soul may transition between different states of existence in God's divine plan. And it's interesting because they should be illuminating, they should be comforting, and, and most people went through traditional funerals, but yet they don't want to go back. So I put that out there that once again this nature, this drive in our society, this drive in our culture, there seems to be an emphasis on things of an extraordinary nature. So the Bible, for some reason, is not extraordinary to people. <laughs> but when I read it to them, it becomes a little more extraordinary, but they get a glimpse of how extraordinary the living script and the text can be and how it interacts both the black ink and the white space and how that moves in, in the Torah or in the Bible. But yet when it comes to their own moment of challenge of spiritual challenge or emotional challenge coping with something that is beyond their control you know we all know that we will pass at some point in our life and we all know that god is the ultimate arbiter of that moment we do the best to preserve our lives we take care of ourselves we go out we get the best medical care hopefully to live a healthy happy fulfilling life but at the end god knows how and when we will exit this existence Yet people don't want to explore that notion of God. They don't want to give that all over to God. They want to focus more on their loved one, and they don't really want to focus on what it means when their loved one passes, how that could help them develop a deeper understanding of God working in creation, some of the mysteries of creation in terms of why they're grieving and how God is helping them cope with their grief, it's fascinating. It's really an amazing thing that's happening in our society as I see traditional religions not really stepping up or not recreating or stepping into this vacuum that is somehow driving people to want more extraordinary answers, whether through Googling or ancient secrets or esoteric knowledge. People need a deeper purpose. They need more affirmation. We are now living in, they don't only want evidence. These people did not only come to this group for evidence, they wanted extraordinary evidence. So why did I bring this up? It's straightforward. Once again, we are placing so much emphasis on extraordinary, on things that are extraordinary, that things that have worked in the past, that have comforted us in the past, that have been a part of us for generations and cultures and centuries, now need to be revisited. And it's amazing, it's, tr it's truly, truly amazing, that they would come and, as a group, to uh, try to make contact or some affirmation of their loved one's existence and still being able to communicate with them. But they wouldn't spend time studying or learning or reading about some of the notions that brought them to this curiosity. What happens to the soul? How does it exist after the body expires? So think about that. 
once again, this notion of new beginning that we just read from the new book, Prescriptions for Abundant Wealth and Success, that we always have an opportunity to create a new beginning, even at that moment of passing that is a new beginning. We think of it as a passing, but it's a new beginning in God's creation for the ultimate purpose of the soul to travel back to be reunified with its creator in some capacity that may be beyond human understanding but certainly there are tremendous writings out there from various traditions and including their own traditions uh, catholic traditions talked about reincarnation in the early church origin of church father who talked about what is called the transmigration of souls this stuff goes back to third century uh, ce Yet people don't want to read about it. They don't want to learn how church doctrine evolved to where it stands today. And it's fascinating to me. And even you know, Jewish mysticism and the teachings of the Ari, uh, Kabbalah, Ashehel Gugolim, the Gates of Reincarnation, what does that really mean? How does that affect our perspectives of death? And are you really willing to do the research and s- invest the time? Because when you study or you read a book like that, which is what prescriptions are all about, that when you read, you're actually not just reading and learning, you're praying. An aspect of your mind is engaged in prayer. And there needs to be a reclamation, something that needs to be reclaimed of prayer, has an extraordinary act, that which connects us to the divine, instead of seeking it in non-traditional new ways that give more power to the individual or makes the individual feel more in control of something over which there is very little control and only God at the end of the day controls. So that was one aspect of the prescription ministries this weekend, what we were doing out there helping people in their grief state. And then we had some people getting into um, what we were calling the return to God segment uh, of the weekend where I was working with people who really left faith and and had such bitter experiences in their own faith traditions that they are now, they're not quite agnostic, they're not quite atheist, but they're not, um, they're just very militant to the notion of organized religion and they're not open to understanding God in a trajectory of tradition. Very fascinating. I have people leaving the church, going into the Catholic Church, people making their own rules or bending rules. What is really happening out there as individuals are trying to justify their actions? It's, it's really amazing uh, as you think about that. And hopefully, prescriptions will give hope to people. And the next topic we're going to be talking about is. You know, I place a lot of emphasis on reading the Bible. And when you're in a group of people who are militant to organized religion and they haven't really spent time studying the Bible or they've read snippets of the Bible, it's difficult to engage them in an active dialogue. But what is important to understand is if a person is coming uh, towards you, or if you believe, hash God forbid, that the Bible is just a myth or a book like any other book, you're missing the living nature of the text. The text lives, it exists, it has a breath, it has God's spirit upon it, through it, in it, and if you open yourself up to that spirit, that text will come out off the page 
and show you things that will help you in ways that you cannot even begin to fathom. So reading the Bible and dealing with people who like to throw back scriptural verses that make them feel comfortable in their rejection of God and their rejection of the Bible as a source of inspiration or guidance for their lives. So one of the people uh, with whom I was having a conversation this weekend through the prescription ministries had a very bitter experience with uh, the church, and he went on to throw this notion, various notions were thrown at me in a rounds and multiple rounds of ammunition of why organized religion is so bad and what a bad experience he had and how could these people have been permitted into the church and all the good priests he knew growing up were, you know, removed from the church because the Monsignor were, was jealous that they were taking over congregants or gaining favor with the church. And you're sitting there and you're listening to this person and you know that there's an emptiness. You know that if they're articulating this and they're present to be uh, around me that there's something that they're looking for. And this person threw out an interesting notion of um, disenfranchisement, how the church has had a lot of blood on its hands through the centuries and how it has disenfranchised particular individuals and how it could be used for any anything. And he used this term even the Bible, when I told him about reading the Bible, his response was, well, doesn't the Bible say that slavery is good and that it instructs you how you should treat your slaves? So you're dealing with somebody like that. You know, if that's their notion of the Bible, that they want to say, well, I don't really think the Bible's good because it's a, people are taking it literally. They've taken it literally in my life. And if I read Exodus 21 or Colossians 4.1, I'm going to see how I should sleep, treat my slaves. And in this world today, we don't want any notion of slavery at all. And master-slave dynamics are certainly a thing of historical past, although I don't know what Trump's comment was today, that he has no idea why the Civil War happened. Yes, he doesn't know why the Civil War happened, and he felt that Andrew Jackson, of all presidents, could have prevented the Civil War. That is a profound statement of, I have a lot of adjectives that I will not use on air, but to think that Andrew Jackson could have prevented the Civil War is equivalent of Bernie Madoff being in charge of the U.S. Treasury. So that's all I'm going to say on that fact. But getting back to this notion of master-slave, sit down with the person, you say to them, well, that's interesting. You're looking at the Bible literally. Do you hear the Spirit of God moving through that notion of master-slave? Feel the breath, master-slave. What does that actually mean? And what does that mean today? Are we enslaved? We are basically enslaved in some capacity. We're enslaved to our iPhones, our smartphones. We're enslaved to our jobs if we're supporting mortgages, families. Who's our master? Who's our ultimate master? at the end of the day? Is it our jobs? Is it, you know, who? Who's in charge of our lives? Our wives, our partners, our kids, our bosses, other family members, our parents, if you're a child. I mean, 
that is so multi-layered to think that that those biblical passages refer to a master-slave dynamic as we think of it in our own historical times does tremendous disservice to the living nature of the text and also to the individual because at the end of the day this particular individual took great pride and ownership of one thing in his life his home and his restoration efforts to bring back an historic home and it was interesting to see how that home was really he felt a master of that home and that home enslaved him because it was dominating him and what he did what kind of work he had to do how much he had to earn to maintain to restore that home so it's important to think about that as we approach God with our prayers what really is a the Bible telling you if you think something that is only relevant to historical times you're missing something in the text and you need to go back and you need to pray harder and you need to pray that God allows you to see what you need from the text don't use the Bible as an impediment to building a relationship with God. It is a strong stepping stone. It is the most important stepping stone we have in all creation. Because we have to listen to the narrative. Even if we don't like the facts, or even if we think the facts are mythical in some nature, we have to listen to the narrative and understand why that narrative is a living narrative and applies to the text. Something we make a tremendous point of emphasizing in prescriptions for abundant wealth and success is God's plural name, Elohim. And we categorize that name as God's infinite imagination. And that's what's really this nature of wanting something extraordinary and holding on to things that are tangible and liberating us from ordinary lives is that we're searching for something extraordinary and society and commercial commercial culture knows that our elective officials know that they know that by the rhetoric they use against us that we are craving an extraordinary notion of history to be resurrected perhaps what does that mean for us in our ability to exercise our imaginations with just divine influence and not the influence of the secular world around us? Have our imaginations become totally polluted? That's the question. Because I can't imagine a person who is able to afford a large historical home in a very wealthy suburb of New Jersey with exuberant taxes, well-educated, could throw up a passage without really thinking what he is discussing. And that's just one aspect. And one of the people I've encountered, I've encountered many through the years who've done similar type of exegesis in, in the Bible. But why? Why is that now, especially has religious institutions and religious people, people of faith, are emerging in new roles in our society why is it today there is a resentment or a resistance to hear and feel and encounter the living presence of God in the text of the Bible 
And is this something that you are suffering through? Is there members of your family suffering through this? How are you dealing and coping with this if your churches or synagogues or places of worship are not providing you with the tools you need to build a stronger relationship? What are you really doing? How are you overcoming that? And do you feel that you're spending enough time in the quiet with God to see and encounter and experience the living text, the Spirit of God moving through the text, and how it can really move through your life to change your life and make your life better? Even when the dark comes crashing through When you need a friend to carry you And when you're broken on the ground You will be found So let the sun come streaming in Cause you'll reach up and you'll rise again Lift your head and look around You will be found You will be found God is finding you right now if you are hearing this broadcast. God has found you even before you knew you could be found because we are always united and tied to our Creator no matter what we do, where we go, how we pray. And hopefully prescriptions for abundant wealth and success and the entire series of prescriptions and the ministry of prescriptions, the prescriptions ministry, will help all people of all faith backgrounds dig for a deeper relationship with God and connect to the divinity that resides in all creation. Because the most important thing is the potential that God has given us at the moment of our birth and the abundance of wealth he has given us with the many seconds of our lives. We have so much abundance in ways that we just need to open ourselves up to to see the living nature of God working through and amongst us in our society and in ourselves and in the interconnectedness of all our efforts. So I implore you to think about these very interesting topics on prescriptions and what prescriptions can do for you because this is the time. This is the moment of history, of civilization, of humanity where we must heal some of the hurts of institutional religion, some of the hurts of organized religions. We must get more active in our faith communities and we must 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 get active with our relationship with god we must because if you do not have that relationship with god you really have nothing i don't care how much you have you have nothing there was a cute viral video today about bill gates talking about an orthodox jew not willing to speak on a saturday and there was no amount of money that would get the Orthodox Jew to come and speak on Shabbos. Baruch Hashem. What a great Kiddush Hashem that he did this. And Bill Gates' response to that and that man's faith was, there are some things that you have that money can never buy. And that's the point of what we're trying to do in prescriptions for abundant wealth and success. That the power of faith cannot be purchased that your quest for wealth and success must have a purpose that succeeds or exists beyond the need for 
money. And it must allow you, it must inspire you to draw closer to God, to understand what God is doing in your life and in the lives of people you love and how that will make a complete narrative when you reconnect to your Creator. And you're always connected to your Creator. The question is, what do you do with that power now? How do you use all of those gifts? And how could you live an abundant, meaningful, and engaging life? Benjamin Sapir wishes to bless all the listeners who are listening to this radio broadcast today. And I pray that you have an amazing Monday, an amazing month of May. May you all be reunited to God and reach out at prayerscriptions.com, www.prayerscriptions.com, questions at info at info at prescriptions.com, and get the book, Prescriptions for Abundant Wealth and Success. Benjamin Sapir, WVNJ 1160, The Voice. The opinions expressed in the preceding program are solely those of the host and not necessarily those of the station, its ownership, management, or staff.